Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Volta Ciclista Catalunya Stage 1 recap. We are presented, as always, by Zwift. I'll explain why. You need Swift in your life on days like these in a minute. Stage one of Catalonia, it's one of these stages that it can be a sprint. It's more likely this year to be one. Last year it finished in Calasia where they had like a 15K, 4% climb. They dialed it back a bit this year. And we will talk about the overall profile, the GC guys here, after we get through the stage, as well as Morich drop a post. I've got an apology to make to Benji, so stay tuned for that at the end. But today, 172Ks from San Feliu de Guijols. They'd go loop and do the mountain range between San Feliu and Playa del Rol uh, up to Begur and La Scala. It's basically the tour of the Baix Empordà, and they do flat around La Scala, back 3.4Ks, 3.6% climbs, Look at the finish, 1K, 4%. Alto de Ramanja, uh, 5Ks, 5.3%. And then an uphill drag finish. It's wet. It's miserable in Catalonia and the Pyrenees at the moment. Uh, not as cold down there, about 10 degrees, but it will be colder in the week as they get closer to me in Andorra. Stage four actually goes 15 minutes, starts near my house on the border with Spain. It gets cold in the mountain stages. But today... Climby sprinty boy stage, mainly because we don't have many sprinters. Vernon, Bauhaus, could they hang on? Colbrelli, Matthews, but Benji, there was there was splits. It's the weirdest split I've ever seen before live commentary started where all the quote-unquote strong crosswind split teams were behind. Yeah, I did not expect that. I thought crosswinds, we got to see Quintana at the front, but nope. That was not the case, and we saw two riders from Trek in there, for example, a few riders from Matthews as well. Just the teams that you don't necessarily expect to make it all out Woods. in crosswinds were in there. You're right, Michael Woods was one of those riders that was in that group. But honestly, when it went, I was like, okay, you've got this amount of crosswind potential section, and then we go towards hills again. I don't see this continuing too far. And at a certain point, that front group will realize that if they spend all their energy domestiquing at that point, then Matthews won't have any domestiques left for the latter part in the race. So I expected that group not to make it too far. When it comes to Matthews, fun fact, I think this exact finish was three years ago in this race as well, and Matthews won it too. So I was hoping that potentially today he could do something here. And we saw that team taking the mantle on themselves domesticing quite a bit in the peloton and making sure that the early breakaways for example didn't make it that far and it actually was a bit weird because i feel like we've got four breakaways today those pro conti riders early on had three breakaways for them and then towards the end we had some groups riding away after the crosswinds happened because the teams came together again the peloton came together again and it offered opportunities for like a few riders to get out the front including the likes of peter seri bruno Armirai. 
Jonas Wiedeberg, I think European U23 champion at some point, two years ago, I think. So those three riders in that front group, some other riders were in there as well, most likely, but I forgot. So, hey, that happens. Caicedo for yes. EF. He got dropped, though, surprising. I saw him training the other day, very stocky. But, yeah, he's always good in wet conditions. But Amirail looks strong. And FDJ, some of those other guys, look strong. Yeah, at that point, the rain wasn't necessarily that gigantic yet. But at a certain point, they went towards that hill towards the end. When you mentioned that is the bigger hill towards the end of the stage, which is still pretty far from the finish line. And it started raining so, so much that <laughs> I thought, okay, this descent is going to be tricky. And uh, we saw someone with trouble in the descent, right? Because I swear Ninja's rider crashed and it was reportedly cut up us. Crashed or mechanical? I'm not sure which. Um, we saw Plap going back and we like, has Plap had a mechanical? We saw Dylan Turns pacing really hard on the front when Bauhaus had been dropped and Haig, I don't think, would have wanted the fastest lights-out descent in the wet either on a non-GC day. We saw, well, first of all, a lot of the teams like Movistar and Arkea who'd be controlling, the Movistar, I presume, imagine the radio Benji when Valverde <laughs> was in the second split with the crosswinds <laughs> in the domestiques here. They would have been getting fucking roasted. <laughs> so we... Kind of had Bahrain and Pernsteiner controlling. But yeah, t- tricky descent. I think Woods, risky for him. I saw Israel coming back, but it was going to be a sprint. Uh, five seconds, seven seconds, the gap. We'd seen Yumbo have brought a pretty shallow team here. We saw Dennis pacing earlier for Kreuzweig. That surprised me. But yeah, still. for Kreuzweig or for Allman, because I don't know who their leader is here. Should be Dennis. <laughs> What? Uh, honestly, it could. <laughs> 15k, 5% climbs should be Dennis. Anyway, that is, we sort of got an insight into the GC hierarchies of the teams because Plap went back to help Carapaz. He brought him back. Bahrain have got Colbrelli for this uphill drag. Bex have got Matthews, but they didn't really do anything for him. It was all Bahrain controlling and then quick step for Bagioli. But before we get into the sprint run-in, wet days, you can't get out on the bike. The perfect training edition is Zwift. We have the Tour of Watopia on at the moment. The Queen Stage, Stage 3, has a varying ABC rides depending on the difficulty you want to do. I did B. I'm doing A, which is about oh, 800 meters climbing plus after recording today. We had an awesome group ride on Saturday during Milano San Remo. If you want to check out Zwift and try it out, Zwift.com through the link in the description below for your seven-day free trial. It's perfect for me at the moment. Trying to build up some volume. No days off. Hashtag no days off. Swift is really helping me with that. Sprint run in Benji. I thought Israel would go for Impy. Bahrain for Cobrelli. Matthews at Bike Exchange. Bagioli. Are you surprised Quick Step showed that much faith in him or i don't know it's five percent it's a weird sort of finish what what is this finish it's a it's an odd finish it's like it's literally the type of finish that if you see it and you know that it's becoming a sprint you're probably looking at riders like matthews and colbrelli for this type of finish because it's that uphill drag but it's a bit more than an uphill sprint 
but it's not a punchy finish, as in like a punch where Alaphilippe can win super easily. Although, to be honest, Alaphilippe could probably do very well on this finish as well. And knowing that we don't have the generational talents like the likes of uh, of Anat and of Vanderpool here, and perhaps even Mess Pedersen would be very well on a finish like this, yeah, well, then you're looking at those riders for this finish. And yes, you're right. Simon Clark going for that team was a bit of a surprise. I think when it comes to uh, a few other teams, I think Ineos was actually having some bad luck with that Carapaz thing because I would have argued that based on that one stage Carapaz won in Tour of Poland in 2019, I think, when he had the yellow jersey and then lost it on the crash from Evenepoel at some point. Uh, he won a stage there, an uphill drag sprint, very similar to this finish. And I would have thought he could do something here, but didn't didn't have a team to set something up. So he would have to do it all alone. And it was odd because, like you said, Quickstep was going into those final kilometers and that was the team that took it on. But it went roughly like a kilometer to go, a bit less than a kilometer. We saw a lot of rider attack and I'm not actually sure who it was. Monique. I think Monique. Monique, and- I remember him from Andalusia pacing for Steph Kras. Possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Carapaz. Carapaz yeah. launched off Monique. I don't really know what his plan was. I think he was trying to steal a march on everybody Desperate. behind him. Yeah, but to be honest, the best legs he's shown all year. And <laughs> yeah. he led out the group for about 400 metres and then Colbrelli had Matthews on his wheel. Matthews knew who the main competition was. The quickest flat guys here were Hofstetter and Milano. They struggled on this uphill drag. Colbrelli launches, go to the left side of the road. Matthews is like, my time to go as well. Doesn't follow him. He goes to the right, and we basically have a two-horse race for an interminable amount of time up this uphill drag on opposite sides of the road, and it's just who can sprint the longest. And it was Matthews gets his first win since returning to Bike Exchange on the same finish that he's won before. He, what was he, fourth at San Remo on the weekend. He's been in good shape, but not picking the best races in the previous year. And now he's at Catalonia and he takes the win. And we can officially rename them again, Benji. Michael Matthews stages. They're not Magnus Sport <laughs> stages anymore. They're Michael One Matthews victory stages. does it. Yep. <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'm happy that Australia can finally celebrate a win like this again because it's been a while for Michael Matthews. And it's just cool to see him win again. And it's because like he's been so close a lot of the time. And it's gone wrong quite a few times. And he's always got like one or two riders that do better on a finish. And today no one was better. And yeah. Perfect execution by him on this finish. When it comes to the group in total, we've actually got a gap in the middle of 11 seconds towards Carlos Rodriguez, unfortunately losing 11 seconds. Also Almeida losing time, Simon Yates. So that's quite intriguing, to be honest. I didn't expect that. Yeah, wow. Um, Again, PCS has been a bit dodgy on these things before. I'm just... We'll wait to see. But, yeah, there's a gap to Simon Yates, who was in the front group earlier. I'm, I can't see Haig anywhere either, even though he's, I thought, was supposed to be doing this race. Um, but, yeah, the top 10 for this stage, the biggest surprise, Matthews Colbrelli was Pache, third, who was yep. good at MSR on the weekend for Demar, Bagioli fourth, Aguita fifth, Skiel Mosier, for Trek, the skinny GC guy. Sixth, Clark, instead of Impey, 
went for Israel, Prades, Hofstetter, Walter, enemy of the podcast, Johannesson, then Galvan Milano. Oh, come so- on! <laughs> enemy of the podcast, Johannesson. Let's just enemy celebrate this, man. What a talent. Come on. Ah, <laughs> oh, not really. 11th. Save your legs, buddy. Um <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow's stage from La Scala where the anchovies come from they actually go up into France to Perpignan on the border and it's again going to be a sprint but Bauhaus, Hofstetter, Milano come more into play on this stage 202Ks we've got a 4K 5.5% climb in the middle a couple of 2K, 3K, 6% climbs but there with 60Ks to go and really Bahrain and RK should be going for their sprinters uh, here. I don't. It's a long day to control in the wet and cold, though, in the breaks. So who you got, Benji? I'm going Bauhaus again. I would like to go for like an outsider, but there's not actually too many outsiders on this list that I'd say, oh, this guy could actually win that stage. But I guess Martin Lars wasn't said yet. That's why that I could do well, but he has no support of the team. I think when it comes to bike exchange, uh, I think they'll pick Groves over Matthews for this one. Yeah. So there's that option there. When it comes to Trek, they've got Brustinga, but he's only shown domestique work, I think, as a lead out. So putting him in the sprinter position, I'm not sure is all out yet. I'm going to go for a complete outsider in Corbin Strong at Israel. Good pick. Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't actually up there on this. Um, otherwise... Maybe a break wins because the weather's so miserable and no one wants to control. But I, I doubt it, uh, to be honest. Soler, I think, would have been a good chance for today's stage had the climbs been close to the finish. We haven't done a preview, but let's at least talk through the GC riders here in the stages to come. Uh, for Ineos, they've brought a strong, deep squad, Port Carapaz, C-Rod, Sivakov, Castroviejo, Plap. I think Port's the best guy they have at the moment based on his Tereno shape, but Sivakov's good too. Quickstep, we've got Maznada. Yumbo, we don't know. I thought it'd be Dennis. UAE have Almeida, Soler, Ayuso. Can't wait to see that play out. Uh, I thought Bahrain had Haig, but he might not have started. Uh, I think he's there though. But they got Poles. Svihoff and Hindley for Bora. O'Connor all in for AG2R. Stora, Reichenbach on Groupama. Woods with no TT for Israel. They'll be really wanting it. Movistar, Bala, Sosa, Verona. Verona's been wrecking the boy Toll stage. He put a lot of effort in, I think, doing that last week. Scale Mills for Trek. Kurt Menkes for Intermarche, Guillaume Martin for Covetis, Quintana for Arkea, Simon Yates for Bike Exchange. So it's really deep, Benji. It's all the guys who can't TT and no Slovenians, but it's actually quite a strong level. Yep, I'd argue as well. There's a few outsiders that you've got here that I'm like looking at and saying, oh, these riders could actually perform better than expected. We've seen Skelmos do well in, what was it? Bessage, where you got? Provence, Provence. you're right, where he was good. good on that. Your mountain stage, this is more a rather hilly terrain, I'd argue, than pure mountains, necessarily. But when it comes to Skelmosa, he's got that. Sure, a time trial would have helped him a bit, but yeah, there's none here. Let's be honest about it. And on uh, the team of Roger Adria, what team is that again? Was that Equipo Pharma? Yes, of course. Uh, I expect him to do well. I don't know why. I just feel like, oh, come on. But he lost is, time today, so no. Is Cara. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't mentioned the, the man... Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I expect him, but he's an animal of the podcast, according to you. So <laughs> he should T ten. I think with the finishes, I think so as well. the finishes we have, by the way, here they're not that high. well. Like La Molina is the third stage from Perpignan, and that's sort of these are not the really hard Pyrenean climbs or the ones we have in Andorra. It's like five point six k, seven point three percent to finish, twelve k, four and a half percent. It's like rolly to finish. You wouldn't expect huge gaps, but if it's shit weather, cold, you can get bigger gaps. Uh, and then the next day, they have them back-to-back from La Seu to Boitol, Boitoj. I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly. 13K, 6% with the first 45 at 8%. It's up to 2,050. That's just, it's near Portenay. It's very similar. Uh, the next mountain yeah. over from Portenay where Chavez won last year. Less snow on the ground, but rainier. It's cold, miserable. We could see big gaps. Carthy liked that in Cortina d'Ampezzo in the Giro last year. It's really open. It really is. I actually have no idea who's winning GC here, Benji. I think when it comes to the approach, looking at the parkour here, I think when we spoke about Johannesson, we say GC, and I agree in that. The thing about that is they probably also are aiming for a statement here, you know, XN. The thing with this race is that I don't see too many of these stages necessarily becoming a breakaway stage, except for perhaps the, the last one, or two at least in this in this race. And therefore, if they go for GC, it might just offer up an opportunity to go for a stage in that shape or form. But when it comes to uh, GC leaders, we know that Quintana has been in good form in February. He was actually on decent level at Paris-Nice, just had good competitors. So him, Simon Yates, I think those are the guys that we expect to be the better ones on the pure climbing stages, while on the hill stages, there's just riders where... It can be somewhat surprising, and depending on the group dynamic of, uh, well, if it the tempo dies out, perhaps the rider can ride away left and right to get something there. What do you expect of Fulverde on this race? I don't know. It's it's Last year he was good, but the weather's rainy. He didn't contest the sprint today. They got caught off guard. There's Sosa. To be honest, I would have gone for Verona. <laughs> I think Verona's in really good shape, um, but he won't be. It's... I think it's between Port, Woods, and Yates. Yates, if he brings that Paranese Coldez level, could dance away, and there's no Slovenian to bring yeah. it back. But Yates, it's hard to predict his his level. Um, Who's your winner? Port. Minus Juan Ayuso. Okay, okay. He's from, I think he was born in Barcelona. The Catalan commentary was sort of claiming him ahead of Soler already. So... Interesting. Uh, we'll I do see as well. What so you think Almeida and Soler <laughs> will ride for him? I think that he Almeida, won't ride for them. I think Almeida's form might not be good enough to win this race. And I think Ayuso and Soler are the ones we're looking at as potentially going for GC here as a consequence. And I think that oh, I don't still don't believe in the consistency of Soler as much. And I know that Ayuso hasn't proven it either, but at least he hasn't disproven it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And I don't think Ayuso will ride for um <laughs> for the others either. Roger Adria <laughs> lost two minutes thirty today, sorry to say. Yeah, that. I saw it. I saw it. It's so sad because like I was so hyped about him and I know that why? they've got a why why? <laughs> Roger Adria is a cool guy. Come on, look at his uh look at the stuff he's done already in his career when true. it comes to uh his results and they got the like, filter invite. 
yeah, they do. And like 22nd at Camino and so forth, that's not that's not the results that's, that shout anything, right? but come on, get out of here. But he was, <laughs> he's super active in those races. I just think that he's the rider in Paris Tour last year that we spoke of when it comes to uh, not having the best tactical decisions in that race. Okay. And perhaps that leads to issues when it comes to his uh, results more than his actual form. But you're right. I'm uh, overrating him a tiny bit, unfortunately. And therefore, uh, Ayuso is my man. And the likes of Johannes and just all the youngsters. I like youngsters winning. Let's be honest about it. Alverde. Alverde, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, he he should be top three here as well. With They've made it perfect for him. Milano Sanremo was on Saturday. I didn't believe Benji. I apologized to him. Benji said, Mohoric just said, when we record straight after the the race so we don't often hear everything straight away. Benji said, Moritz just said he used to drop a seat post. I said, no way. He's saying he wished he had one. Incorrect. He used a drop a seat post in his Merida, I think, Sculptura road bike. He didn't use the aero one so he could put in a drop a seat post. And the UCI, the next day, with this blowing up on social media, released a statement the UCI Equipment Commission approved the use of dropper seat posts in road cycling competitions in 2014. Their use is subject to the minimum five centimeter setback rule of Article Yada 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 of the UCI regs, i.e., when the dropper seat post is set to its highest or lowest setting, the saddle setback must be in compliance with the setback rules, which mean where the tibia saddle should sit. If you don't know, a dropper seat post is common in mountain biking, now in some gravel bikes have it, uh, where you press a button, usually uh, the more expensive ones, on your handlebars and it lowers your saddle down with your weight and then you sit lower in the saddle, you have a lower center of gravity, it adjusts your sight line descending when you're in the drops and in mountain biking, it's like you, every mountain bike rider has one for descents. It's rarely been used i don't know if ever in road biking morich hey. had one vincenzo nibli used one in 2017 did he? yes he did i checked a few days ago why did Apparently, he stop also is rumored to also have used one at a certain point in his career oh. but i don't know how technical it was compared to the ones we have these days but when it comes to the uh dropper seat posts i think the benefit that you mentioned is that that center of gravity lowers and that gives such a benefit in cornering where you can Corner much tighter, have much better lines, and as a consequence, can corner faster than your competition. And it also gives that direct benefit that by cornering tighter, you can make more dangerous corners in a safer way because your center of gravity is lower. If you make mistakes, it's, according to Mohoric, at least in his post-race interview, easier to correct them with that. I personally uh, can't confirm that yet, but I'm going to believe him on his word after winning Milano San Remo at least. But when it comes to the other benefits, I think uh, when it comes to just general riding, it can also offer some arrow. But I thought he he put it up again with about 300 meters to go. And I was like trying to figure out, oh, is that too late in the race? At what points should you use that? I think the descent is perfect with those corners and so forth. But on the flat, do you think it also gives a, a decent advantage there to still use it? No, because he probably couldn't do his normal pedaling action. On the descent, you are sprinting out of the hairpins, but you're out of the saddle. So your yep. 
position is the same in the drops and then you get back into the lowered position trying to stay aero in the non-pedaling sections and that's what the poggio is the descent uh trying to be aero as possible on the flatter section the last two cases on the via roma you want to be doing as much power as possible and morich is good at staying in an aero position in on his road bike we've seen like yeah. morich if you look at his power data it's not it's obviously fantastic, but it's not like insane. Wow, what's like Pagacha Roglic stuff? He stays very aerodynamic. He seems to have quite a low, smooth cadence. We saw the same thing in his two Tour de France stage wins when he soloed. My question is, I'm surprised that you see. I was like, this is fun. he nearly crashed. The problem with it is, I don't think if you've if you've practiced with it and you lowers your center of gravity, that's fine. You can helps you descend better. But Moritz nearly crashed when he tried to apply the setting and he was looking back down under his saddle when he first attacked to see if it had lowered. <laughs> and he drifted into the gutter and nearly crashed. And I guess that's why I was like, ooh, the UCR might have words about this. What do you think? Because I don't want to be full man shouts at Cloud, no innovation. But I thought the UCI <laughs> might have some words about it. Yeah, I think there's two aspects to the safety. There's the fact that, according to people that used it, I haven't seen like in-depth studies yet, but people that used it, like Mohoric, for example, he said in his post-race interview that it it helps reduce risks a tiny bit if you're doing dangerous descending. And like you say, the opposite to that is that in the running tools, it checking under your saddle if it actually worked. Well, that's perhaps another danger that you're not looking ahead. So there's like this two sides of the safety argument. I uh, I can't tell you what the actual solution is there. I do expect now that it's allowed that more teams are going to slowly but surely apply this whenever a rider asks if it's possible and the team has the budget to do so and the rider is of a high stance in the team and therefore can ask these things they will probably look for that but i think there's also issues when it comes to the manufacturing of race equipment where some bikes like aero bikes they've got very different posts uh they've got aero seat posts and therefore not necessarily compatible with the uh, dropper seat posts that are on the market at the moment then I'm questioning whether that could be an issue for certain teams that don't have necessarily compatible seat posts to the bikes they are using to be able to not use it. Yeah, and that's why Morich had to use a different bike. Um, I don't know. Will we see widespread adoption? I don't think so because there is a weight penalty having this system, the mechanics of it, the dropper seat post in your bike. Is that penalty worth it? Probably not, except for very, very specific situations, i.e. staying in the group and then attacking on the Poggio descent. Yeah. Which Morris did, so credit to him for it and out planning. Lombardia again? The thing is you have to – it's not like MSR where it's flat all day, yeah. then two climbs, you have climbs all day. I'm not sure the penalty's worth it for the second or two you gain on the descent, which, again, fine margins. He won by two seconds – I like it. We'll see. When I think STI shifting came in, people said it wasn't safe. It should have been kept shifting on the on the frame. Innovation will happen, but we'll have to see if this is adopted widespread. We just have some news, though, uh, as we've been recording, actually, that Sonny Colbrelli, who came second in the Catalonia stage, collapsed 
after the finish line. This is from Teledeporte, which is the Spanish broadcaster for uh, RTVE. And he needed, it said to him, according to this tweet, he needed a cardiac massage, which means uh, like heart resuscitation. So obviously that's incredibly serious and we don't know anymore at 5.20 p.m. as we're recording. So we hope he's okay. We'll stay tuned for further news. Colbrelli pulled out of MSR on Saturday, which he would have been a favourite for with bronchitis apparently. Second here today, but has collapsed after the line. So, yeah, just just terrible. And we, I hope, he, I hope he's okay. And... I hope he's getting all the medical attention he needs. But, yeah, there's nothing really more to say on that. Sorry to finish the podcast on that note, but just came up uh, then. But otherwise, we'll monitor that situation and see what happens. We'll be back tomorrow with Stage 2 recap of Catalonia. We'll see you on Tuesday afternoon. Ciao.